0: We, uh, we'd like to turn our attention to the Word of the Lord now. And, uh, and we preached for the last couple of weeks on, on Advent, and, uh, and first and foremost, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we preached over Advent. We tried to preach over Advent in our day. And the Advent that we're looking toward is the second coming of the Lord. And uh, we're not looking back. You know, this, uh, that's what we do during this time of year is we look back at the coming of Christ. And, uh, and, and it was necessary that he would come. Um, first and foremost, because uh, as we tried to, to touch on last week, uh, his headship is the redemption of fallen man. And, and that was necessary because it was promised. And so that's what we'd like to touch on a little bit tonight. And that is uh, Advent salvation promised. And and it was and Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter three verse nine. Now this is concerning his second coming, and I acknowledge that it's coming concerning his second coming. But I'll touch I'll touch in here for just a minute as to why I chose to start here. Uh, Peter writes in Third in Second Peter chapter three and verse nine, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, when, they were, when Peter wrote that, he was living in a day and in an age when a little bit of discouragement was starting to seep in. And the reason there was a little bit of discouragement seeping in was because they had anticipated that the return of Christ would be immediate. And you know, here as time drug on and time drug on, there was uh, this 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 human side came in, and they just were lending themselves to getting more and more discouraged because of the fact that he hadn't already come back. Uh, and so Peter wrote here and he said, "Look, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He said he will come again and he will, but he won't do it in our time. He'll do it in his time. And you know, if you take that view that he had, Uh, when he wrote that, and you apply that uh, to the beginning of humanity. When God had created Adam and Eve and they sinned there in the garden by eating of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God preached the gospel to them and gave them a covering of animal skin and then sent them out of Eden and put a flaming sword which turned every way um, that would obstruct the way back uh, to that place uh, and not allow them to get back there, lest they should uh, remain in that fallen state forever. From that point forward, humanity was always looking forward to the coming birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, and The one who would the, the one that was the seed of the woman who would bruise the serpent's head and and utterly destroy him and have his heel bruised by the head of the serpent. Uh, and so man had been looking forward for his coming ever since that day. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure that there were some in that day that would have been just like those believers uh in the day that peter was living that were scattered abroad uh they had been run out of their home country uh and so they were living here and there and everywhere and, and and that's who peter was writing to to the those that were scattered and so uh i'm sure that they would have been in that same kind of mindset uh that this discouragement would have been Uh, very tempting to seep in. You know, where is this one that's coming? As a matter of fact, that's always the mockers and the scoffers of this world, whether you're talking about the pre-incarnate Christ or whether you're talking about His second coming. That's a criticism that's found in both instances, right? Where is he at? When's he coming? You keep saying he's coming. Well, when is he coming? Well, you know what? Nobody knows. Neither the, Father, neither the angels in heaven, only the Father knows when that day is going to be. We don't know. We can study Scripture. And there's a lot of people today who like to, uh, out, of the, out of the depth of their folly, presume uh, when the second coming of Christ is going to be. The simple fact of the matter is nobody knows. <laughs> and you can try to piece together this and that and the other out of Scripture. There are some things that Scripture just doesn't tell us. How could it tell us when Jesus Himself said that no man knows, the Father only knows? How, how are you going to say that you're going to piece together like a puzzle out of Scripture, when the second coming is going to be. Nevertheless, you know we look through the Old Testament and we look at the first coming, and uh, and you compare that to the second coming. In the first coming, we're going to we're going to go now to the ninety-first psalm, the ninety-first division of the psalms, and it says, that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall, oh, he shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. Uh, they shall bear thee up, lest they lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. And thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder. Uh, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Uh, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. Uh, I, will set on, I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. Uh, he, sh- he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my and show him my salvation. One of the mistakes that may have read, I read this 91st division of the Psalms. And, you know, here's, at the end of this Psalm, the psalmist is prophesying the coming of the Messiah. And we look back at that day now, and we look at that day, and that day was brought to fruition at Bethlehem. Uh, and, but, but something to point out here in this 91st Psalm. Um, this 91st Psalm, it may be one of, if not the most referenced subsets of Scripture by the New Testament writers. Uh, many times they would, I know if for sure in the book of Hebrews and Paul especially, they would use this verses of Scripture, uh, that, uh, uh that uh, as an evidence of Christ and of His deity and of the fact that He was preordained, right that He is the one who was the fulfillment of these things. Um, Set thee at Thy right hand till I make Thine enemies Thy footstool. And to uh, and so we see that uh, He uh, He says that. But I want to give you an instance here. It's not just the it's not just the New Testament writers that use this passage of Scripture. We find this passage of Scripture rested by Satan. Uh, when Satan was tempting Jesus Christ, uh, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and, and then with the three big temptations that he had for Christ, uh, Matthew 4, chapter, 5, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give charge, give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou... Uh, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. And so, see, he's using that in the incorrect context because Jesus corrects him because he says in the seventh verse, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now, what Jesus' saying there is not that Satan's tempting him. He's saying, if I were to throw myself off the pinnacle of this temple, I would be tempting the Lord my, uh, the Lord God, uh, in that, uh, I would surely plummet down to my death. And, and, uh, and so uh, that's what he's talking about here. Satan's trying to get him to commit suicide, really. And Luke and Luke touches on it as well in chapter 4, 10 through 12. Uh, and you can go and read it there for yourself. But, uh, uh, but we get back over here just for a moment. And, uh, and we read here uh, in this chapter. Uh, and we go to another prophecy concerning the coming of the Lord. You know, he was promised to come for a reason. Uh, and so, uh, and it was to save sinners. And we're going to touch on that in just a minute. Uh, but thus saith the Lord, the labor of Egypt, and this is in Isaiah 45, uh, the labor of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia and the Sabians, men of stature, shall come over unto thee, and they shall be thine. They shall come after thee, in chains they shall come over, and they shall fall down unto thee. They shall make supplication unto thee, saying, Surely God is in thee, and there is none else. There is no, uh, There is no God. Verily thou art a God that hideth thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. And so here you're seeing that uh, those of Egypt and Ethiopia and the Sabians getting saved and using their prophets from their uh, from their merchandise uh, and from their buying and their selling for the, the good and the glory of God. And in the 15th verse, they say that you're a God which hidest yourself, right? In other words, he's, they're saying, you know, you weren't known unto us. And so uh, now you've been revealed to us and we recognize that you are the God of Israel, uh, the Savior. Uh, and so here he goes on and he says, And they shall be ashamed and also confounded, all of them, and they shall go to, the confusion, to, to confusion together that are makers of idols. But Israel shall be saved. And which is this Israel? Because Paul writes in the New Testament and he tells us very plainly that they are not all Israel that are of Israel. Meaning there's a big vast difference between Israel after the flesh and Israel which is after the Spirit. You see, those who are after the flesh, they view that as Israel. And a lot of people today in their eschatology, they view Israel after the flesh as the Israel of God, but the Israel of God uh, is after the Spirit. It's everybody who's born of the Spirit that comprises the Israel of God, and he says right here, and he says, but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. And so this is a salvation without end, isn't it? And so this isn't a temporal salvation like that of Gideon or Samson. This is a spiritual salvation, a salvation which will go on not just throughout our lifetimes here but on throughout eternity uh, it's an eternal salvation and if Jesus if we could quote Jesus Christ uh, if you would believe in me you would have everlasting life. What's another word for that? Eternal life and so that's what Jesus came down to, to deliver to humanity through, through his vicarious death there on the cross that we would be privy to everlasting life. And Hosea chapter 11, that last week I couldn't remember what chapter of that verse was in about Ephraim, but that's in Hosea chapter 11. About uh, Ephraim She'll say, what shall I have any more to do with idols, for I am become a green fir tree. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, it's an everlasting salvation, and you shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. And so we look at this uh, uh, this salvation that was promised, that was going to be revealed at Advent. And it was revealed at Admin. Even on the eighth day after he was born, Zachariah the priest, when he was brought into the temple and presented so that he could be circumcised according to the traditions of the Jews, he took him and he took him up in his hands and he hadn't been able to speak in a while and he said, Behold the salvation of God. He recognized it. Even though he was an infant, in the, uh, an infant, didn't he? An eight days old child. He recognized that Jesus was the answer. He was the promised deliverer of salvation. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the knowledge that we have in that. Jesus revealed that in the course of his life in the 19th chapter of, and I chose this one on purpose because of stature. He revealed this in the 19th chapter, uh, and this was the one instance, one of the one instances that I chose to use for this. Um, when he went into, Zeke, when he went home with Zacchaeus, right? Who was Zacchaeus? He was a publican, and the Jews looked at him and they hated him because he was a publican. and uh, And so he says to Zacchaeus, "Make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house." And he made haste, and he came down and joyfully, and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying uh, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore unto him fourfold. bring forth fruits, therefore meat for repentance. I don't know if there's a more obvious, overt example of bring forth fruits, therefore meet for repentance. He says, "Lord, if I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, which was what he was accused of being a publican, it's kind of the way that we look at IRS people nowadays. No, nothing's changed in regards to taxes." He says, "I will restore to him." And so we see restitution. Restitution implies that there was some guilt there, doesn't it? And he says that if I've done that, I will restore fourfold. And Christ says to him, he says, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what he came to do in this world. That's his mission. While he was in this world. And that's his mission while he sits at the right hand of the Father, even today, to seek and to save those that are lost, that everybody would believe. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel call is universal to everybody in the family of man. The gospel call is sounded. Repent and be saved while you have time and opportunity to do so. The salvation of the Lord is free, coming by milk and honey, without price. And, uh, and it costs you nothing uh, in terms of the things of this world. But we look here just a little bit, and we're going to go on and we're going to finish up here In a moment or two, we go to Isaiah chapter 40. We go back now uh, into Isaiah, and we look at Isaiah's prophecy concerning the coming of the Lord. In the first five verses of the 40th chapter, he says, Comfort ye ye my people, saith your God, and speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her um, that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. You know, these are the things that he came to secure and to procure for our benefit and our behalf. Remember, he was perfect. He was sinless. He knew no sin. He wasn't descended from Adam, was he? It's important that he wasn't descended from Adam. That he wasn't descended from Adam shows that he didn't have in him the sin of Adam. Now he had the error of Eve but he didn't have the willful sin of Adam. It's important that he wouldn't know the seed of man. And if you're here tonight and you've been saved, you know what? That second birth that you experienced was not by your will, not by the seed of man. It was done by the will of God, wasn't it? And it was, and it was miraculous in its doing. And so we go on here. Their warfare is accomplished, her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of Him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And that's what John said that his job was to do, was to make manifest unto Israel or to reveal unto Israel the promised Savior that had been prophesied first by God in in Eden uh, after Adam had sinned and then by various prophets and psalmists down throughout the ages and the millennia, right up until we get, uh, we find ourselves there uh, at Bethlehem. At Bethlehem uh, in Judea. When they were commanded. You know, Adam and or Joseph and Mary didn't travel to Bethlehem of Judea just because they felt like it. <laughs> that would be like saying, well, I've got a court order, and you know, I I may go and I may not. <laughs> Now they were, a court order is a command. You you are going to come here on this day, at this time, or else. And so they were commanded to go to the city, uh, which was uh, the home of the husband, uh, or else. Because there was a census in the land, and what they were really doing is Yes, let's get everybody together. Let's see how much you owe. We're going to go ahead. We're going to do a census. We want to know how many people we got. We want to know what all stuff, what all, how much how much you have in terms of possessions. All that stuff will be going on. And then the promise would actually come to fruition, wouldn't it right there? We talked about it in one of the songs we sang. There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. You know, I would say that that is similar to what Paul experienced on the Damascus road when the glory of God shone around him, uh, and it was brighter than the noonday sun, uh, and Paul fall, falls down on his face before him, uh, and he makes obsessions to him, and he asks who it was that, uh, has, had presented himself to him, uh, and he said, it is the Lord, it is Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom thou persecutest. And so here, uh, we see the angels make the proclamation, don't they? Uh, the angels make the proclamation, uh, once again, we see that being in the glory of the Lord, the, these, these, these shepherds are afraid, Uh, and it says the angel, first things he does to them, he consoles them, isn't it? And he says, fear not. For behold, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just a few people, but it was to all flesh that Christ would be revealed, because in Adam there was no circumcision and uncircumcision." That doesn't come into play until Abraham. And then it was taken to a place where it just was never intended to go. For born unto you this day in the city of David. And it's important that he was born there, wasn't it? And when you say the city of David, not... Jerusalem, which is oftentimes called the city of David, but the city of David's boyhood home, where Samuel found him keeping watch over the flock and then anointed him king. Born, unto, born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They didn't mince any words about what He was, who He was, what He came to do, did they? He is a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And, uh, and so we're, we're thankful for that. And, and we're going to close with, uh, with a couple more verses and then we'll, 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 uh, Turn the service back over, and Brother Rick can lead us in a song or two. We look at Malachi 4, uh, 1 and 2. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. you see how that ties it right back? Ties it right back to the 91st Psalm when he says that he would cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. That was one of the great things that caused him sadness, wasn't it? There as he drew close to the end of his life, as he came up and he saw Jerusalem and he wept over Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee, how I would have gathered thee under my wings like a hen doth gather her chicks, but thou would not trust in the Lord for the salvation of their soul. So that's first and foremost. That's, that's the very first thing. You've got to trust in the Lord to the saving of the soul. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the knowledge that we have that, that at that advent, that that first appearing, He brought that great, that unspeakable gift that is salvation. And we thank God for that unspeakable gift, don't we? I'm so thankful for it. I was thankful to hear about another one being added to, uh, the roles of heaven today uh, and I, uh, just as much as I was thankful for the one that got added to the role at Faith Missionary Baptist Church today. and, uh, and so we just we want to continue pressing on forward, don't we? We don't want to ever get discouraged because we remember that the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. He's coming back again, isn't he just the same as he did the first time. The only difference is he's not coming with grace, and mercy the next time. He's coming with judgment, isn't he? There's a court date out in the future, and there's a judge which is appointed, and he's a righteous judge. You know, judges in this world, they are prone, or they can be susceptible to being bribed, can't they? And they can pervert justice in that way. At the great white throne of judgment, there won't be any bribery taking place. All the, all the judgments that will be rendered will be done in righteousness. And we look forward to the coming of the judge, uh, the righteous judge. If you're here tonight and you're saved, yeah, that's not a day that you fear. If you're here tonight and you're lost, that's a day that you should dread. And so we, uh, we're going to close with that. But we're thankful for the, the promised salvation that was delivered Unto men there at Bethlehem. It was, uh, it was delivered there when, when he was uh, laid in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then the plan was fulfilled at the cross, at the, the horrible cross of Calvary. And, uh, and so if you're here tonight and you're lost, it's, it's, the, it's not Jesus in the manger that's going to save you, it's Jesus that hung on the cross and died. That will save you. That's the one you look up to. Uh, Look up to the one who was pierced for your sins. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.